Good morning. Good to be here. From long before even the time that Homer wrote the Iliad and Odyssey, we human beings have enjoyed tales of triumph over adversity. Uh, you know, I like uh, movies, and immediately some very popular films come to mind. Uh, Frodo's success in Lord of the Rings. Uh, Harry Potter's final victory over Voldemort in uh, the Harry Potter series. Katniss and Peeta in the Hunger Games. Uh, on a lighter level, perhaps, The Princess Bride. Or not the same kind of a story, but the same shape of story, The Shawshank Redemption. And one of my favorites, uh, Groundhog Day which I think has a lovely Christian message. Or in a quirkier vein, and this is one that a lot of people haven't seen, and I really recommend you watch this, and it's really a favorite of mine, is Joe versus the Volcano with Tom Hanks. As most of the kids in my generation, I was raised on Disney cinema. And Disney cinema is more of the same. Snow White, Jack and the Beanstalk, Cinderella, in fact, most, if not all, the fairy tales, some of which Disney took and kind of remade, are, have this same shape. The, the victory of the protagonist over some, you know, looming and growing uh, evil or problem. And then we have the whole sports movie genre. A lot of those are true stories or at least from true stories. So, Miracle, Remember the Titans, Hoosiers. In fact, it's interesting that we call that whole kind of story in sports, what, a Cinderella story. You see, the same shape. And if they're really true stories, they're all the more appealing to me. So I just love the story in the movie Hidden Figures about the, the black women who became significant mathematicians and engineer for NASA. And of course, the whole story isn't just that they're mathematicians, but all of the prejudice that they had to face and overcome in their victory. Hacksaw Ridge, the movie about the uh, Desmond Doss, who re refused because of his faith to carry a weapon, but who fought as it were, as a medic and uh, won a Medal of Honor uh, for his work. And of course, there are the many Bible stories on which I was also raised. Noah and the Ark. Abraham and Isaac. Joseph, the whole story of Joseph in, in Egypt and the victory that came out of that. Moses and the Red Sea, Joshua and the Battle of Jericho, Gideon, David and Goliath. One that we didn't see through our survey, but is a great story of Jehoshaphat versus the Moabites and the Ammonites and the Meavites. Who knows that story? It's a great story. Jehoshaphat goes out to, and God says, you're not even going to have to fight. And they go to the battleground singing 
praise songs, and when they get there, God has caused the various opposite enemies to fight each other, and they're all dead. And Daniel and the lion's den, from the book of Daniel. And of course, from today, also from Daniel, today's story, the story of Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, or as we usually refer to them, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Now, you briefly heard about this story in the overview of Daniel that you saw on the screen today in the Bible Project summary of the whole book, but it was very brief. Now, you probably already knew the story, but I wanted you to appreciate it the way I learned it probably the first time. So I thought you might like to see it in the format in which I learned it. In fact, most of these Bible stories I learned in the same format, the state-of-the-art graphics format of the 1950s, the flannel graph. So here's the story in flannel graph. That, I'll never see that story the same way again. <laughs> There's some things you just can't unsee. <laughs> well, to get a little more serious, the Bible is full of stories, and we've seen a lot already, and we're not done, of God's miraculous working in the lives of his people. Hebrews, the book of Hebrews in the 11th chapter, speaks of those who, through faith, conquered kingdoms, administered justice, received promises, shut the mouths of lions, that has to be a reference to Daniel, uh, put out raging fires, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego maybe, escaped death by the sword, found strength in weakness, became powerful in battle, and routed foreign armies. Women received back their dead through a resurrection, Hebrews 11, 35 to 33. And the Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego story is just one more dramatic example. But as we mine these stories, stories like these, like today's story from Daniel 3, for the gold of God's miraculous interventions and what we can learn from them in history. I wonder if we sometimes miss the silver. And what I mean is that that is gold. The, the, the theme that God has got a plan is, and is in charge and can step in and does step in to do amazing, totally unexpected, even seemingly impossible things. You know, that's, that's gold. I mean, that really, that really is an encouragement for us, which is what we just heard the whole book of Daniel was written to be, an encouragement that God's in charge, and he is going to confront these evil forces and the, 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 the beasthood of human societies and cultures that set themselves up against him and begin to worship their own power and not worship God. But there is also silver in this story. 
and it's another theme in Scripture, and it's likewise a valuable theme for us that I want you to look at with me this morning. What I'm talking about is seen nowhere better than right here in the remarkable statement in Daniel 3, verses 17 and 18. And this is the statement made by Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Our God, whom we serve, is able to deliver us from the furnace of blazing fire. But even if he does not, let it be known to you, O king, that we are not going to serve your gods or worship the golden image that you have set up. This is the theme. Even when we don't know how it's going to turn out, even when it may not turn out well, we stand fast in our faith and our allegiance to God. It turns out this is a very common theme in the Bible. Just a few weeks ago, we, Bob introduced it to, to this theme from the book of Job. I don't think you quoted this one, so help me if, if I misremember, Bob, but Job said in ver, chapter 13, verse 15, even though he slay me, yet I will trust him. Job's saying, I don't know how this is going to turn out. But it doesn't matter how it turns out. I'm hanging in there with God. There's a story from 2 Samuel, another one we didn't hear about as we worked our way through, of a leader of the Israelites named Joab and Abishai, another leader. And they were facing, had to go into battle, and they were facing the Aramaeans and the Ammonites. And Joab and Abishai, what Joab says is, here's what we'll do. I'll go up against one, you go up against the other, and if either one of us is having trouble, the other one can help the one. You know, the one that's doing better in their battle can go help the one who's not doing so well. Okay? So not a bad uh, strategy. But this is the interesting thing that, that verse 12 of chapter 10, 2 Samuel 10 says. So this is Joab speaking to Abishai and to all the leaders of the, of the warriors. Be strong and let us show ourselves courageous for the sake of our people and for the cities of our God. And may the Lord do what is good in his sight. See, Joab's saying, I don't know how this is going to turn out. That's really up to God. What I know is we're going to go fight. See, that's our part. We're going to take our stand on our people. We already read about Esther and saw about Esther some weeks ago. Another great example, Esther says when the, there's a threat against the, the Jews, and Mordecai points it out to her and says, you know, Esther says, well, you can't go into the king unless you're invited. To go in without an invitation is to court death. And Esther says, I will go into the king which is not according to the law, and if I perish, I perish. See, so he has to determine I'm just going to do the right thing, and I don't know how it's going to turn out. 
Peter and John, two of the apostles, very shortly after the death of Jesus, are preaching about Jesus now resurrected. And the same authorities who were responsible for the death of Jesus arrest them, interview them, grill them, tell them, no, you can't do this anymore. You've got to stop preaching about Jesus. And Peter and John say in response, whether it is right in the sight of God to give heed to you rather than God, you be the judge. But we cannot help speaking about what we have seen and heard. But even more remarkable, I think, is this. So they went back to the small, that small band of believers and they reported what had happened. And then they prayed. And this is the prayer, this remarkable prayer that followed. And now, Lord, take note of their threats and grant that your bondservants may speak your word with all boldness. Now, I think that's remarkable. They didn't say, God, look at they're after us. You've got to protect us. You've got to do a miracle for us. They said, they're after us, so help us to stand up to them and just do what's right. To speak what we know that you commissioned us to speak. And it says, that's the point that says when they prayed that prayer, that the place was shaken like by an earthquake. And they began to speak the word of God with boldness. The Holy Spirit actually fell on them, and I think it's because of that kind of prayer that that happened. My belief, anyway. In fact, go back as early as the story of Abraham and Isaac. The same theme is there. Did you recognize it now that I've introduced it to you? Did Abraham know God would provide an alternate sacrifice for Isaac, his only son of promise? No, he didn't know. God didn't tell him that ahead of time. God just said, go do this. And he went and did it. Thank you. I, I appreciate that. I wonder, I probably should hold the microphone. God enjoined this kind of courage from his prophets. So to Jeremiah, he said, Gird up your loins and arise, and speak to them all which I command you. Do not be dismayed before them, or I will dismay you before them. To Ezekiel, God said, You son of man, neither fear them, nor fear their words, Though thistles and thorns are with you, and you sit on scorpions, that doesn't sound like God's got the path all smoothed out for Ezekiel, any more than he did, in fact, for Jeremiah. Neither fear their words, nor be dismayed at their presence, but you shall speak my word to them, whether they listen or not. And, of course, there's apostolic counsel for all of us. From Paul, who says this, remain alert. Keep standing firm in your faith. Keep on being courageous and strong. 
1 Corinthians 16, 13. From the writer to the Hebrews, Consider him who has endured such hostility by sinners against himself, so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. You have not yet resisted to the point of shedding your blood. Therefore, strengthen the hands that are weak and the knees that are feeble. From Peter, be clear-minded and alert. Your opponent, the devil, is prowling around like a roaring lion, looking for someone to devour. Resist him and be firm in the faith, because you know that your brothers throughout the world are undergoing the same kinds of suffering. Suffering! Suffering! That's not the happy ending story that we started this whole thing with. Well, yes. Remember I read you that passage from Hebrews chapter 11 about all the victories. Well, this is how that same passage continues. Others were brutally tortured, but refused to accept release so that they might gain a better resurrection. Still others endured taunts and floggings and even chains and imprisonment. They were stoned to death, sawn in half, and killed with swords. They went around in sheepskins and goatskins. They were needy, oppressed, and mistreated. They wandered in deserts, mountains, caves, and holes in the ground. All these people won approval for their faith, but did not receive what was promised. The happy ending didn't happen for everyone, but they stayed true to their faith. Psalms 11.3 asks what I hope is a rhetorical question. And this is, this is what it says. If the foundations are destroyed, what can the righteous do? Well, I think the answer is simple. I don't say it's easy, but it's simple. They can keep on being righteous. They can take their stand. Like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. It's Ab Abby. Yeah. They can say, just as Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego said, our God is able to deliver us. That's the gold. But with it, the silver. But even if he doesn't, we take our stand here. Now, I share this with you, not only because I do believe that this is a precious vein to be mined from this and other scriptures, and I did not by any means name it or quote every story and every scripture from the Bible that would be supportive here. We can mine this vein of silver for ourselves, and I believe we need to. I believe the church today is in a kind of Babylonian captivity. And the same pressure that was on those young Hebrew men to slip into the culture 
of Babylon, that pressure is on us today. You and I will probably never face the dramatic life and death kind of confrontation that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego did. But you and I do face and will face perhaps almost daily little, little similar moments when we take our, can take our stand in faithfulness to God or when we can acquiesce, often simply by silence, and slip in to the culture that surrounds us. Since the 1960s, sociologists, both Christian and unbelieving, have said that there is little difference in real treasured values between those in the church and those who are not. Now, that's a sociologist's conclusion, and I don't have the expertise to argue it one way or the other. But they said, except for this addition value of we believe in God, but when you look at all the rest of a lot of moral issues that come out, there's very little difference between the culture and the church. Well, I don't know how true that was in the 60s, but I think it's becoming more true in the 2010s. And I think the pressure will be that it will be more so. The prophecy of our Lord himself is that this is what would happen in the last days. That hearts that were warm on fire for God would become cooled and seduced into compliance with the world around. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego weren't called to fight. Sadly, one of the things that we see is in recognition within a part of the church, at least today, of this cultural onslaught. We have this counter effort to fight using the same weapons of the world that got the world in trouble in the first place, and therefore to the battles lost before it could ever be won. When you adopt the weapons of the enemy, you adopt the culture of the enemy, and it's the culture that'll kill you, not the specifics. Uh, No, the words of Scripture are to stand, to stand, to resist, okay? God fights to accomplish His work, but you stand on His truth and on what's right. You stand and you say, I can't do that. I can't cooperate with that. I can't agree with that. Whatever the consequences. I can't go there. I don't go there. I believe, I really believe, that every one of us, me, you, every one of us, faces all the time these moments when like Daniel or Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego or Esther or Peter or John or any of the others, when God says, what, 
You know, what are you going to do here? Are you going to stand with me? Or are you going to go with the crowd? Are you going to stand with me? Or are you going to walk with your culture? Are you going to take your stand or not? And I believe what God wants from his people and what his people desperately need today is a new dose of courage to stand. Let's pray. We don't like to stand when standing means standing out. And especially when it means standing alone or what feels like standing alone. And that's why you've given us these stories to remind us we're not standing alone and we're always standing with you when we stand with you and that's where we ought to be. Lord, we recognize that there is a powerful seduction taking place even within the community of those who profess to be believers in our own culture and nation and world right now, right today, right at this time. And I think we've misdefined where our stands need to be and how we ought to, st- to take them. And so, Lord, I, I just pray that we learn a lesson from history, from Bible history, and specifically from Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Lord, that we would recognize that you are able to deliver us in the most difficult of circumstances, but that in the end, we don't follow because of what you do for us. We follow you because you are righteous and the source of all truth. And so we stand regardless. And I pray, Lord, that you would give us that same adamantine spirit that they displayed in the face of injustice and immorality and untruth in our world today. Amen.